you're in Seattle, Seattle. And you need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to rodandbouncedown.com. Whether you've tuned in for the radio show or the real estate business, you're in for one heck of a show. Hey, you guys, what's going on? And welcome to episode 547 of the Ron and Don Show. And yeah, we are live from Leshrop Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, hope you're having a great Wednesday coming up on this show. This is going to be a good one. We're going to talk about the, uh, well, the Cowboys. My son plays on a team called the Cowboys. Two of the coaches are sitting right here. And uh, boy... Dude, we have an issue in our first game, a big, big controversy, and also we are going to play the blame game because I did hear my son at school the other day explaining to one of his friends who are on the Seahawks who we played uh, why they lost, and they blamed it on someone sitting in this room. Hmm. Also, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, uh, are you, do you get up early? Are you getting up earlier? Getting up around six. Yeah, after six. What about you? Uh, I get up real early every day, and and I've been trying to go back to sleep. And sometimes it works, but most of the time it doesn't. <laughs> and we now we know some of the reasons why. And uh, so I'm doing some different things to try to solve it. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this an amazing article. I've talked about alcohol a lot on this show because I've had issues with alcohol in my past, and one of my therapists doesn't consider me an alcoholic. She's like, yeah, you surely numbed with alcohol and you surely used it to run, to numb, and to not deal with things your own life. And I remember when she told me over five years ago, she's like, hey, when you peel this away, that's when the real work begins. And she said, you have to be, you have to be very careful about peeling alcohol all your life. Because if you're an everyday drinker, you just stop. Sometimes people that stop, that have been drinking for so long, you can die from that without detoxing. So you have to be very careful about doing that. The other thing you have to be careful about is when you peel alcohol or really any substance or anything that you've been doing to try to numb your pain. Well, now you got to deal with the pain without the thing that you're using as medicine. That is the hardest work, you guys. That is the hard. So if you're in a place where you're like, hey, I'm doing this thing, and I think mo- I agree with Rich Roll. He's a great ultra marathoner. Uh, went to the University of Stanford, listened to his podcast. It's just called Rich Roll. It's very, very good. He says that we are all on the spectrum of addiction with something, and that's true. could be a screen. Uh, it could be going to the gym too much and working out. I know my therapist warns me uh, every once in a while. She's like, she'll check in and, hey, how are you doing with that? Uh, and I actually think I'm in a, in a pretty healthy place with that, but wasn't always, right? Maybe, oh, maybe working out and running and drinking and numbing my pain. And then when I had to peel some of those things away, what do I want to continue to do? Uh, What do I want to moderate? And then what are those things that I really want to deal with? So some of the hardest work, but some of the most beneficial work that I've done in my life. Here's the thing, though. And when you talk to people that drink alcohol, it's like, well, I want to go back to, even if I had an issue with it, I want to, and, and alcoholics try this a lot. I want to go back to a place of moderation. And the reason I want to go back to a place of moderation is because I've read that red wine is very good for you. I look at other cultures where they drink in moderation, and it seems like uh, specifically red wine. And for some people, they even think that vodka might be good for them. Uh, It also, 
It, it, it helps people relax when they get home. And it's true. And I've shared this before. The first 18 to 24 minutes that you get when you take your first and second drink, alcohol delivers. It does. It delivers to the brain. For some of us that struggle with being social, it helps us to be social, maybe more outgoing. But it's not the, the first or second drink for a lot of us. Sometimes it's the third or fourth or fifth. And I think a lot of this happened to us during COVID where we got dependent on alcohol. Uh, and a lot of us are still dependent on it. We just are. So I'm not here to beat you up if you drink every day like I used to. But when it comes to this research, on specifically about red wine, it seems like there's a flip-flop in the research, but it doesn't seem like there's a flip-flop in our culture, right? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, studies come out all the time where I think you remember the 60 Minutes Pete's where they're like, oh, these... I don't forget what they're called. These, this element of red wine, uh, has, has been shown to have a health benefit. And then they tried to isolate it and they were selling supplements. And, uh, you could go out. It's like one of the fastest growing supplements they've ever seen. And it turns out that it wasn't exactly true. I, I think the thing that I'm beginning to realize more and more is like the body's really complicated and it's, it's very difficult to say, uh, here, here is, here's the thing that applies to everybody here that we, we just read, you sent me a story this week where they, uh, talked about, um, at one point there was a Harvard study that said ice cream, uh, daily consumption of ice cream had the same uh, effect on beneficial effect towards diabetes that yogurt has, uh, and that the study was actually squashed by Harvard Medical because they're like, we can't publish a story that says <laughs> a, a half a cup of ice cream is Effing good Molly for Moons. you. I know there's a reason I go there every other Friday right. and with so, my boy. Yeah. But and, and at the time, these cultural overlays around yogurt made it out to be, oh, it's kind of a foreign food. It's a little bit exotic. It's got probiotics. And, you know, if you're wealthier and more educated, you're going to eat yogurts and cult live cultures and all this stuff. And so yogurt became the headline, but you got the same health benefits of ice cream. Problem was most people don't do it in moderation. So they're not going to have a half a cup of ice cream. They're going to have two cups of ice cream every day. And, and so there's these things that it's hard to put something for everybody on there. And so for instance, with alcohol, there's, it's clear that if you drink, you know, 20 drinks a week that it's not good for you. But, but let's say this, in this particular study, they went back and they said, Hey, look, and, and this we've known when it, when it comes to the red wine and you can call it a myth, look at how that research was funded. And what they're saying is there is no benefit. There's absolutely no benefit to, to drinking alcohol. So if you like to drink alcohol, that's one thing. Like some people there's like no, there's no health benefit. What's that? There's no physical health benefit. No, think, fi but that's I a think, bit, that's a big deal because one of the reasons deal. why people go back and moderate, and especially when I talk to women all the time and those that drink red wine, they're like, "Well, I do drink red wine daily, but the reason why I do it is because of the health benefits of it because I'm helping my heart and my cardiovascular system." So this this particular study and looking at all these studies says. That's not that that health benefit is is not true. Again, and again, I think you referenced it off the top. That the the benefit is can be psychological or social. That that's what alcohol is plays a role in my life. It's it's there's a ritual element to it. And there's a psychological and social element to it. And I I I think I am 
one of those people that can be relatively moderate. I, I've gone through phases in the pandemic where I, I, I drank too much. I think along with every other American out there it was like, you're lonely. Yeah. Uh, you're isolated working from home. All the restaurants were closed. And so there, there were, I did get into a, a routine of having a cocktail or three uh, most nights of the week, but I do like the ritual. In fact, a, a, a friend of ours, came by my place last night and and I was like, Hey, do you want a mocktail? I've been working on some mocktails. And I, and, and he's like, what? And I said, let me, let me make you a mocktail. So I made a mocktail. I used the same bar glasses, the same gear. It's the same sort of ritual. I, I like the big flavors of it. And he's like, this is really good. And I was like, yeah, it is. Thanks. Like I, I've been working on it because the ritual of that, when, especially when you work from home of like, okay, my, I've finished my work day. I'm going to gear up to watch the Kraken game on playoffs. I this I like the ritual of making this mocktail. Uh, and so it doesn't have to be booze every night. But there are those moments where it's like, hey, I'm out, you know, at my tiny house on the river and I got the fire going and I'm going to have uh, an old fashioned. Like but it's it's having the fourth old fashioned or the fifth old fashioned. Those are when the, the things go sideways in terms of health. But for social uh, lowering your inhibitions. You've even said to me, it's like, Hey, you're pretty fun when you've had two drinks, not so fun when you have uh, had nine, but like you're, you're pretty fun. You're, no, you're even more fun. If you've had nine, right. I like, think I've seen that once. It was amazing. Yeah. So like, like that's a thing. It's, it's just not doing it every night. Yeah. So it, it's, it's getting, it's knowing it's like, okay, having two, uh, is your thing. And I, I gave you a book from Dr. Peter Tia. He said, uh, on longevity. And he's like, I still drink. I cap, he caps his to seven per week. Uh, and he's like, but there are nights when a, a friend I haven't seen in 20 years is in town. And it's like, I'll, I'll have more that night, but then I just dial it back. Uh, and he's like, I don't regret it because I haven't seen this friend in 20 years. And we had a great night, but I'm not going to do it again that next week. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like with dessert and sugar. And when I read this, I was th I was thinking about some of the people that I know that just dessert is the ritual of when you eat. After you get done eating, you always have dessert. I didn't grow up in that house. We were just we were just glad to, that there was food for four kids and my mom, and and so there 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 wasn't finances to have uh, dessert. Maybe make a popcorn once in a while, something like that. But I don't, so I don't think about dessert a lot, but I, I, but I have friends that really struggle with dessert and sugar and it's not that, that sugar and dessert is bad for you, but eating a bunch of sugar and dessert. And it's one of the reasons why now when you buy a, a pint of ice cream, they say, wow, if, if you eat a quarter of this, it's 400 calories. But if you eat the whole thing, it's 1490 calories. When you eat that and then you, and then you go to bed, that is, and you, and you do that every night you're just going to automatically pack on the pounds from that. You are. because and, and if you do the same thing before you go to bed, if you're drinking alcohol, and even if it's in moderation before you go to bed, what happens to alcohol and what happens to um, your system, your digestive system, alcohol goes to the front of the line. So when you, when you go to bed, instead of working on that meal that you had that, that evening and saying, you know what, we're going to go ahead and digest this and figure out what's going to be glycogen, what we're going to use as fuel, uh, what we're going to leave in the toilet in the morning, what we're going to store as fat, all these different things. If, if you're having dessert and alcohol on top of that at the end of an evening, you can pull that off, you know, once or twice a month. But if that is your nightly habit, 
Uh, that's going to be disastrous when you get older when it comes to the health benefits uh, of that and, and the non-health benefits of that. And a lot of the research that I've done says even as we get older, even if you consider yourself a moderate drinker, think about at the age of 70 saying, uh, you know, I think I'm done with alcohol. I have to tell you, if I make it to 70, that's probably when I'll start drinking lots of alcohol again because I don't want to be old. I don't like being around. I just... I, I'm looking now at what my life is going to look like because I can't believe I'm 56 and what it's going to be. And I, I, I am working on accepting 57 right now. And when I get to 57, I'm going to accept 58. And at some point, you have to accept the fact that you're, that you're turning 60. And I'm just telling you, when you get up in the morning and you haven't had a bunch of sugar and a bunch of alcohol and you ate right and you took care of yourself and you did some moderate movement, when you get up, morning time, for me, is one of my favorite times of the day, and especially here in the Pacific Northwest when we woke up to such a beautiful day. I'll give you the final say. I would just invite people to, if you are a daily drinker right now, try mixing in some mocktails to, to, to keep the ritual going. Uh, there are a, a ton of great things right now. There's a thing called a Negroni, like it comes in a can. It's basically a version of a Negroni. Uh, they have versions of old fashions. It, it's not going to taste the same, but it's just a different thing to to like get you through the craving or whatever. And g- give it a try because I think it's something for me where it's like it, it does taste good. It's a it, you still get to use the same gear. Uh, you're basically having a drink with your friends. The social aspect is still there. Uh, you can just really dial back on the booze and keep. Keep it. Just give it a try. They're they're available at like Total Wine or whatever you can find. Just say where's the non-alcoholic section, and you, there's a bunch of stuff now out from wines to spirits to beers to to cocktails where you don't have to put the booze in or just wine in a can. They, they, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> That's amazing. See you guys in sixty seconds. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Don here with my good friend, Ron. You may have heard of us. Anyway, you probably haven't heard of her, Ron. We have a brand new team member, Team Ron and Don Real Estate, right? Yeah, her name is Mara, and Mara just left one of the big tech firms, uh, and now she's doing real estate. Mara, what was it like dealing with folks in tech and specifically with housing in Seattle? Yeah, the housing market in Seattle can be a little bit tricky. Um, Seattle has a lot of very different and great neighborhoods. So having somebody that can help you find the right neighborhood for you and what you like to do um, is really important when coming to a new city, especially when you're trying to meet people who have similar interests or are close to the activities that you like. Um, So what I want you to do is if you are, uh, maybe you're not in tech or not moving around, if you know someone who is or their kid is or they're trying to leapfrog from tech company to tech company, Mara's on our team now. She's an expert in this specific area. So if you would like to do a sit down with us and meet her, you can go to ronadonsitdown.com. That's ronadonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. And let's, let's tie this in with sleep now. We were just talking about alcohol and I will tell you this. When I was younger, I used to think, you know, the more, and and, and Ron was talking about ritual. When I would barbecue, cook, watch football, have friends over and all that, I loved the ritual of that, especially barbecue, drinking a beer, a cold beer on a hot day, mowing the lawn after mowing the lawn, or uh, is is there anything better than than a cold beer? I, I Maybe there, maybe there is, maybe there's not. Maybe one of the new mocktails that Ron was telling us about. And, and, and I always thought that alcohol was helping me sleep 
And then I would develop this habit of waking up at three o'clock in the morning, not being go, not able to go back to sleep at all, just bing. And this is when I didn't know that that alcohol will help you sleep for the first couple hours, but when it comes to REM sleep, you'll get none. And then I developed this habit of, well, I'll just drink some NyQuil and I'll drink some NyQuil, go to sleep, which would work, but then I would wake up exhausted absolutely exhausted from it. And I was still waking up early and I'm like, why am I exhausted from it? If you do some research on it, it's because I was getting no REM sleep. When you drink and go to bed, there's no REM. You get no, you have to have REM sleep. REM sleep comes at the end of your sleep cycle. And what was happening toward the end of my sleep cycle at about three o'clock is I was waking up. Two of the reasons I was waking up, because number one, that's what alcohol does to you. And number two, because of the alcohol I drink, I have to go to the bathroom. So then you come back and you developed it. And I'm like, well, I can't sit here and take NyQuil. So then you start reading, you start doing crossword puzzles, you start doing work. The next thing you know, your mind is active and alive. And you're like, I better just get the hell up. So what I have learned over the years to do is every once in a while at three o'clock, I still get a call, especially if I had too, too many LaCroix the night before. Or I love the bubbly. How are you enjoying the uh, lemon sorbet bubbly? It's nice. Thank you. Yeah. So so I'll still have to get up. But what I don't do is I don't turn on any white lights. I don't pick up my phone and check the time. I'll check it real quick just on my watch. It's usually the same exact time, you guys. And then, and then I will go. I will lie down. I won't move. And I'll just sleep in a certain position. And then there's, there's certain breathing techniques that I've learned. And I learned some of these online. I go right back to sleep. I'm typically able to sleep for about another 90 minutes. I hit that REM sleep. I get up and I take that warm into a cold shower that I talked about. And I feel dynamic and amazing at the age of 56 and much better than I felt when I was 36. So that's something that, that has worked for me. Uh, what say you when it comes to, when it comes to sleep? Cause, uh, there's a lot of sleep studies out there right now. And as we get older, there is some research that says, hey, this this is why you are waking up earlier as you do get older. And when I talk to all my guy friends, we're all waking up in the middle of the night and and we've all talked about solutions to going back to sleep. For some of us, they're they're healthier than others. So Yeah, I think um some of the physiological ones are just nothing you can do about it. You know, the 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 medical professionals are saying, hey, it, it's a function of getting older, like your body is changing, and one of the side effects of that is, is you're going to, to get up earlier. The other one that was surprising to me is that the as your eyeballs age, and like I, I'm going to, you know, all of us, your eye, your eyes change and you get readers on all that stuff, you're, you're, it's letting in, it's literally letting in less light frequencies, uh, especially if you develop any cataracts or anything along that nature, and then your body just thinks it's darker than it is. I found that to be, I mean, it's, it seems obvious, but when it was laid out, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So like while everyone else, if you have young, fresh eyes, your body, the melatonin hasn't kicked in yet. Your body's like, hey, it's still light out. And then, and even here in Seattle, like there's such a wide range for me between when it gets dark at 9 p.m. versus when it's getting dark at 3 p.m., yeah. where just my energy level and my reaction to that, and you and I talk about it every year in the, you know, the darkest part of winter, we're like, geez. Let's just go to San Diego or Hawaii or Costa Rica or something. It never come back. Is, oh, <laughs> it is brutal. Um, my th thing with you as well is like I I do need to pee most nights at yeah. you know three o'clock in the morning. Oh man, the other night it just got me because I have this clock. I, I try not to turn on a bright light either, but I have this old school tube clock 
where it flashes between the date and the time. Yeah. So the date had just turned to May. And so I, I look at that clock and it said 502. And I was like, oh, sweet. It's five o'clock. Like, I'll just kind of start to ramp up anyways. It was actually three o'clock, but I had seen it just as it showed the date instead of the time. And so then I was like, the same thing. He's like, ah, it's, it's not five o'clock. It's three o'clock. Yeah. So then I'd already sort of told my mind that I was just going to go ahead and get up. Uh, and, and it played a trick on me. But yeah, it's I, I try every once in a while. I'll take those melatonin gummies. Uh, that will help me get a little bit better sleep. Um, and then I will sometimes just need a change of location. I don't know if you ever do this. Yep. It's like you're in your bed and the bed's comfortable. I have a great bed. I like my bed, but it's like, I'm going to go out and just sleep on the couch for a couple hours. Just the, the physical act of changing locations, uh, to me can help. And then the other thing that's worked for me great is going up to my tiny house by the river. It's pretty loud white noise. But like all the, you came up uh, a weekend ago or so, and like all three of us, me, you, and your son, just were zonked out. Like you lay down in a hammock or on the couch, Great. and you're sort of in the fresh air. You're by the river, and like you told me, it, the, that white noise just puts you out. Yeah, you 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 were kind enough to give Gunner and I hammocks, and I went down there, and he was snoring. I'm like why? And then I looked over, you were sleeping on your couch on your deck, and I'm like, uh. I'm going to give this a try. So I got the hammock set up. I would say within five minutes of laying down on that hammock, I was, and we just gone on a nice walk with my cousins and all that. I was, I was completely out, slept for about 25 minutes. Power naps are good for you as long as you don't go over 30 minutes. Uh, Cause then you start he- heading toward that REM cycle again and it can screw up your night sleep. So lots of good research on that. Anyway, I'll just, I'll leave it with this. And, and, and this has really worked with me and I've struggled as I've gotten older with, uh, with sleep as well. Pay attention to the sugar and alcohol that you're putting in your bodies. Pay attention to the food that you're consuming uh, before you go to bed. You don't want to do that. Dim the lights. So my, my son and I have a ritual at 8 o'clock every night when we're together. We'll dim the lights. Last night we were watching the, the cracking game, so we were up a little late. 5-4 against the Stars. By the time you hear this, wow. you know. Even if... Well, I don't know where they're going to be with the Stars, but that game last night was very exciting to watch. So and now I'll let you know when we recorded this. So, so and, and, and then just, just telling yourself, if I wake up in the middle of the night, that's natural. People all over the world are waking up in the middle of the night. But just saying to yourself, I'm going to be patient with myself. I'm going to go lay back down. not going to turn on any white light. I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to uh, start reading things online and try to fall back to sleep because that's not going to work. And I will say this too. A friend of mine said if you – Go to the phone. This is in your iPhone. Uh, I don't know if it's in other phones, but I will change the setting for the screen, and I change the screen to red if I'm reading at night. Uh, and that seems to help a lot. It seems to. It seems like I can read at night, and I'll read downstairs, and then go to bed. And that has helped me immensely. So, do you ever do that? Do you ever? Yeah, there's the light settings, of course. Yeah. So give it a try. Anyway, uh, don't go anywhere, you guys. We will see you in one minute. All right, you guys, we're sitting here with uh, Mitch from Mitch.Loans and Ron. It's kind of weird. Mitch came in here with a leverage board, and he has a bunch of levers in front of him. What's going on here? That's right, Mitch. First-time homebuyers, I don't know if they understand they're using leveraged money to create wealth. Explain that. That's correct. So let's say on a million-dollar house, you put 20% down. Your investment is $200,000. When people talk about homes going up 20%, that's your home going from 1% to one2 
one million two hundred thousand dollars, right? So your investment of two hundred thousand dollars has turned into four hundred thousand dollars. You're doubling your investment. Your investment didn't go up twenty percent. Your investment went up a hundred percent. Right. And so when you talk about getting a loan, and even if you did less than that, so you put ten percent down, your money, your equity is even a greater position because you were able to get into a loan with less than twenty percent. Absolutely, one hundred thousand has turned into three hundred thousand. Right. So when uh, you talk to Mitch and you go to Mitch.loans, explore these options. Your down payment, what the projected increase in the house is going to be, and what your equity position will be down the road. Those are the kind of things that Mitch will walk you through when you do a process with him and you're going to get a loan. So start things off right now at Mitch.loans. That's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back to the uh, Ron and Don Show. We got to talk a little football here because Ron and I work in the NFL now. Uh, we work for NFL Flag, and we happen to be the coaches of a... We a work young- for them? When am I getting paid from NFL Flag? <laughs> I just tell people I work for the NFL now. So so anyway, if, you, if you're not involved with NFL Flag, NFL Flag is really cool. And what's really cool about it, not only can can uh, boys and girls play, but they it gives them an opportunity to learn the game. I can remember when I was younger and I was playing with kids and I had been, already been playing three or four years and they would show up to play junior high or high school football and you you would just knock the shiznit out of them because they didn't understand the game yet and they didn't understand the pace and they didn't understand how to run a route. They didn't know what a linebacker was. What's a Mike linebacker versus a Sam or a Will linebacker, right? You don't know. On the offensive line, what does it mean when they say the call man blocks down? They don't explain it to you and because because i remember the first time i went to wrestling practice and i'm wrestling kids that are kicking my heart that are smaller than me but they've been wrestling for 10 years right they're re- so they've been doing this for a long time it's muscle memory so the great thing about the, the the nfl flag is they were looking at the fact that a lot of kids were begin to play lacrosse and soccer and some other sports and they weren't paying attention to the nfl game one of the hard things is the the equipment is so expensive you have to be able to get 22 players or at least 11 that that can go out and have 22 special teams, everything else. So you need to have these large teams to even go out and compete. So in some areas of the country, they have five, six man football, right? Because they just don't have enough kids. And and then it's a real it's a real commitment. And you think about all the things that are going on in kids' lives. And for some schools where we volunteered, like at Cleveland High School, they said, "Hey, the most important thing here is that we love on kids and that we feed them. And kids will show up if we have food." So I remember it was some of my guys and saying, "Hey, let's go to Cleveland High School and let's buy food." on Friday nights and sure as heck it worked. Kids will come out and play. And as a result of that, being part of a team, being part of a culture, uh, deciding what you're going to do with your life. And I, I think back in my life, I've talked before about my estranged dad, but boy, my coaches, my coaches had this incredible impact on my life. So anyway, Ron and I decided let's go have a little bit of impact on some kids' lives. We're coaching the NFL flag Cowboys and if these kids never end up playing tackle football and all they do is play flag, I think this is going to be a lot of fun for them. So anyway, our first game, we've only had two practices. We show up at Ingram High School. We are winning. We are beating the Seahawks. I think we have better athletes. I think we have better coaches. And then the next thing you know, uh, and this is according to my son, our offensive coordinator, which I am not. I'm the head coach. The offensive coordinator, who may or may not be sitting in this room right now, calls a play. And in that moment that he calls a play, the whole thing fell apart. We ended up losing by six points. We lost by three points. By how many? Three. We ended up losing by three points. Come on, head coach. What say you 
Ron, who may or may not, well, let's just say you're the offensive coordinator. What the hell happened out there? My son would like to know. What are your thoughts? I'll be curious. Like, I'm going to do this, like, honestly and seriously with this question because I think a lot of this comes up for people if you're involved with these athletics. You and I are both competitive people. Um, it's, it's, I found it surprisingly hard to not lean into that competitiveness and go, okay, I know who the two best, you know, athletes on this team are, and we're just going to do what the other team's doing. They had three kids that touched the ball and that was it. it, The rest of their kids did nothing. So like that, that urge to do that comes over you and you're like, okay, we need to score. You throw the ball to him and like, that's it. We're just gonna do that four times in a row and we're going to score. So I, I was resisting that urge because as our head coach, you had talked about, hey, everybody gets to play everything. And everybody we, gets we swapped out three different quarterbacks, et cetera. So I had, it, it's not the same rules as football that you and I play tackle football. So I glanced over the rules and I had read one of the rules that you couldn't do, uh, you know, quarterback draws uh, in this deal. And so I was like, okay. So I had that in the back of my mind. And then at the end of the first half, and I could be wrong here, but I, I would put my hand on a Bible and swear in, a, in front of a judge that, that the other team ran a quarterback draw. They, they hiked the ball in a shotgun. They, uh, the, the runner came in front of the quarterback, and then he took off and ran and got a first down. That's what I saw. I think uh, our other coach, Coach Scotty, he said he saw the same thing uh, in several of our players said, yeah, I saw that as well. No whistle was blown. They gave him the first down. I was like, oh, I must be wrong about the, what I read there. Evidently, you can do a, a quarterback draws. Did you see the play that I'm talking about? Yeah, I did see the play, and that play actually got called back. They didn't, they, they didn't get the first down, but then they scored on the ensuing play. And when I had asked the refs about it, can you do a quarter? It said what you can do is a quarterback can hand the ball off to the running back. The running back can hand it back off to the quarterback and then the quarterback can run. Uh, That's not what happened in the play. No, that is not, that is not what happened, but something else did happen where somebody had used some hands on that play. And the particular play that I'm thinking of, I'd asked the refs about, and they ended up calling that play back. But yeah, that, that was confusing because it looked like they allowed a quarterback draw, but that's not why the play got called back. But you're saying, so I saw this quarterback. I was right. I'm 15 feet away from, from this play. You're the, you're the offensive coordinator. I, I see. I know what a quarterback draw is. And that was a quarterback draw. So I was like, I must be wrong and, and misread the rules. Why didn't you You're check the, in with the head coach? The heat of the game. Because you wouldn't have known. You're yeah, saying, I set the rules to you in the morning. I you, knew. You took a screenshot of something. and so, hey, Let me just no, finish no, no, the no. story. And then, uh, and then I went over that rule when I was going over the rules before the game. I know. And, I can and that's to, why I was surprised when I saw the other team do a quarterback draw. Do you want draw. me to go down and get my sheet of paper or the rules I went over? So Someone I saw, was not listening to the head coach. I saw this quarterback draw. <laughs> The other team clearly did a quarterback draw. Uh, we needed about five yards. No, I believe you, and you, you, you set that up. No, I got it. Okay. Uh, and so I called a I called the quarterback draw. It was Sorry. like we needed about five yards for first down. We're not uh, at all. And so I called the quarterback draw. <laughs> yeah. They blew the whistle and and penalized us and took away the play. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I I was wrong on that. Um, that may have cost us the game. We, we, uh, you can do a one point conversion or a two point conversion. Um, we tried a couple two point conversions that we got interceptions. So had we can, had we, had we completed our, our PATs, then it would have been a tie. We, uh, there, there are two kids on this team and they both play baseball 
and they play they're they're extraordinary baseball players if you just took those two kids and you said you like the other team did you said you just throw it to him that that team wouldn't even come close but we said that everyone's going to play everyone's going to learn and as a result of that sometimes you're we are very competitive but you're not going to win those games so going in let, let me ask you this Going in to this week's game as the offensive coordinator, what do you what do you what do you think we should do? Um, I'm going to add a couple more uh, formations. I need to work on my some play charts, but I, I felt really good about. It. We have one kid who is kind of a nerdy kid. He, he's fast and has pretty good hands, but he's kind of nerdy. I made sure he got a, a catch. That was great. Uh, and, and and your son got a catch. Yeah. And so, uh, and there's a, co- a kid on our, our team that has not had a growth spurt yet. So he's maybe five feet tall. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's he, not five feet tall. Maybe he's, he's like four. He's barely four, four feet tall. Four feet tall, whatever he is. Yeah. He, he got a catch. Yeah. And so I think... Um, I'm 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 happy with our ball distribution. Me too. And yeah. and the the kid that's nerdy, I said we're throwing it to you, and I want you to run as fast as you can. He's like, well, I don't know, and it's like, no, yeah, like you're on this team, we're Good throwing you. you the ball. Yeah. And then even I had a player that's like, oh, I'll play center all the time. It's like, no, you don't get to play center all the time. Like I know why you want to play center all wanna, the time because you want to hide, right? You want to kind of hide in this position. It's like, no, you're going to play Good center for this series and then you're going to go out and run a route perfect uh and so the fact that we got within three points of a team that wasn't didn't have that philosophy uh i feel really good about and so yeah we need to get a couple more formations in there um i think that we're going to win a couple games i think we can play man to man they say in the rule book that you can play man to man but teams aren't successful with it i think with the kids we have and even though that seven of the ten have never played organized football before they're really good athletes, and I think we yeah, could have covered. We could we could have covered that team man to man, and uh, oh, we could have kept calling the same guy. We could have had you know the quarterback I'm thinking of and the receivers I'm thinking of. Yeah, we could have had a three man team that would have scored fifty points. Yeah, uh, if we just would have kept going to that well, but but we didn't, and I think we did the right thing because it's not about flag football is not about winning these games well you know what at this is. level though because you end up if you end up in the championship you can go to regionals and before you go to regionals you actually play at lumen stadium and so i think that's what a lot of these coaches are playing for and a lot of these coaches step up and they coach so their kid can be the quarterback so if you looked at the coach on the other side he's like i'm gonna coach and my kid's gonna be the quarterback and he's gonna throw to that kid over there that six foot 16 who is a pretty good athlete and, and we're going to score some points, win some games. And if they do that, then they get to go to, to Lumen Field. But to your point, I think the sad thing is, and I've seen this happen to my own son, when you're playing organized sports and the other kids just completely cut you out and they don't understand what it is to be a part of a team and try to elevate other kids so that they can do well too. And that's what I loved about your coaching and what you did and what we're trying to do. And I sent that note to the parents before we even had a game. I said, hey, everyone's going to play. And we're going to rotate positions, and everyone's going to get a great experience. I don't care about going – I didn't say this, but I don't care about going to Lumen Field. I care about kids being part of a team, learning to play together, elevating. And then if they go out, if any of them go out and decide they're going to play tackle football, at least you know and understand the game now, and you're able to protect yourself and specifically protect yourself from concussions as best you can. Because if you go out and you start playing tackle football and you've never played the NFL game before – uh, or an organized game, uh, it's very difficult. But and if, I'll just if, end if, it. The if, pro those, if those kids want to say, hey, the offensive coordinator made it, it was a bad call. Uh, it <laughs> theoretically could have cost the game, and that's a fine storyline, sure.
I, I, I choose to. You know what? That, that ref, I'm not going to beat up on this ref. He's a volunteer ref. Yeah. He was, his call was wrong. I think he knew that it was wrong. Yeah. And, but. He's, he's a volunteer good. ref. He's just a kid, yeah. He's out there. They're out there working on a Sunday, yeah. repping multiple games. Like, I'm not going to be the guy that shouts down a volunteer referee. I have to say, the parents were amazing. They reached out. They recognized what we were doing, and especially the kids. And, and there's one kid in particular where the mom reached out. She's a single mom. And her son has always loved watching football. He's never been a part of organized sports. And when he caught that ball, it was the biggest thrill. So thanks for doing that. That made a big, big Difference. Yeah, I think it was good. Yeah, in their lives. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. Uh, and we'll we'll have uh, more stories from the field coming up as the Cowboys have another game. Uh, That's coming, right. Coming up this Sunday. Uh, in the meantime, if you need to sit down with us, because you know we're real estate agents and brokers, and we're also Airbnb owners, investors. We know how to not only buy and sell homes, but invest in real estate. Uh, and, of course... Uh, if you're buying or selling a house, and we're dealing with a lot of estate homes right now, aren't we? Yeah, if you have a life event that happens to you that, that necessitates a real estate transaction, give us a call. It's a lot of work and many times getting entire families involved in it. Um, we have one client that we're, we're working with right now where it's like, hey, this home is paying for the long-term care. And so every nickel counts. And and all the children who are obviously adult children uh, that have their own children are, are stepping up and trying to say what's the best way we can get mom uh, the best best health care you can. That's a lot of weight to carry. We want to help you shoulder that load. Yeah, and we understand when moms and dads, and some, sometimes after they've lost their partner, they will continue to live in a home. The reason, and I've learned, they don't want to go to another home or even a place where, where socially it might be better for them because it's not familiar to them. And even if you begin to struggle with early onset dementia, which a lot of people do as they get older, and let's say that you're 80 years old and you're a big home, you wake up every day and you still know how to make the coffee pot work. You still know how to make the microwave work. Like you still know where the bathroom is. You still know where your tooth, all those things. And what happens when you go to a new care facility, you don't know anything. It, it's a real struggle and it, it freaks people out and they're very scared of that. And so a lot of times maybe there's an accident or there's something that happens where they intersect with the police or they disappear. Uh, I just want to let you know when it comes to families, we are very honored to work with you. We don't take a side. Uh, we try to be very good communicators. And we'll take it from the point you're done with it. So some people want to go in and they want to go through all the family stuff. Other people are just like, hey, have an estate sale, sell this house. This is the money that we're willing to spend or not spend. What do you think the net proceeds will be? And yeah, this is going to go to power, take care of my mom and dad the rest of the way. So we are here for that. And we've done that quite a bit. Ronandonsitdown.com. It's because a lot of you have moms and dads that have listened to our show over the years that need our help. And uh, we'd be honored to do it. Ron and Don, sitdown.com. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. Don't forget to get signed up for our newsletter. Again, it comes once a week, and we don't sell your information. That's also at Ron and Don, sitdown.com. And Ron or ourselves or Mar, someone on our team will pen something. And it's a way to uh, communicate either about real estate or something cool that's happened in our lives that we're learning that we want to share with you and tell you about. All right? Yeah. We'll see you next time. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron Don Radio Network. <laughs>